0: This is the Carindale Salvos Podcast. So I'm going to do what they do on the television. You know, we get that flash, flash, flash. This is what happened in the last episode. um, So that you remember or you catch up. So last week we looked at the beginning of the Ebenezer cycle. So this set of four chapters begins with Ebenezer... ...and ends with Ebenezer, but they're not the same Ebenezer... ...but we're not going to do that detail. We learned that all the stories... ...we learned last week that all the stories in the Old Testament... ...were chosen by the writers that wrote the Old Testament... ...because of what they can reveal about God. So these stories are theology. And the story that we're looking at begins with Israel... ...and their confused theology... They believed that God was the God of gods and Lord of all, the great great God, mighty and awesome, Deuteronomy 10. But they lived in a time when the nations around them believed um, that when nations went to war, their gods also went to war and the God of the victorious army defeated the God of the losing side. So, when Israel went to war against the Philistines in 1 Samuel 4, God had not told them to do so. I didn't mention that last week, but I do want to mention it this week. God had not told them to do so, and nor had they asked him whether they should or not. They lost the battle. They decided it was because the Lord, who can't be defeated, was not with them. And instead of asking for his counsel, instead of praying to him, they took the Ark of the Covenant which represented his presence among them, into battle. They lost and the Philistines took the ark. Now, even though the Israelites said that they believed that God was mightier than any other God, they actually believed they could make him go into battle for them using the ark. Now, this is very confused theology. On the one hand, they believed that God was more powerful than any other being, spiritual or earthly, but on the other hand, they believed they could control him. A God who can be controlled by humans is a very weak God. So their theology was very faulty. The loss of the battle and the loss of the ark caused a crisis of faith. It is in this space that we left the Israelites last week and we moved to see what God was doing. 1 Samuel 5 and 6 is the story of God working among the Philistines to make them return the Ark to Israel. The Israelites did not know God was doing that. So far, the point of the story is that God is very powerful, cannot be controlled or manipulated by people... ...and by allowing the Ark to be captured, he forced the Israelites to rethink their theology... But all the time, he was also working to bring them back to him. We learned that when things go wrong and we wonder what God is doing, we need to check our theology and try to find God afresh. God is our stone of help, which is what the name Ebenezer means in this cycle of stories. So we pick up the story today just after the ark has returned to Israel. When the ark arrived back in Israel with no human attendance, the Israelites did not understand that God was behind it. We know because we've read the previous two chapters, but remember the Israelites didn't know that was happening. The ark had been missing for seven months and suddenly it arrives at Beth Shemesh on the back of a cart being pulled by two milk cows... Now, the local Levites used the milk cows as sacrifices to God but some of the locals disobeyed the instructions of the Torah which says no one was to touch the ark and they actually looked inside the ark. They died. The local people decided, as the Philistines had, that they didn't want the ark of God in their space. So they asked Kiriath-Jerim to take it away. The people of kiriath did, and they put it in Abin- Abinadad's house, which was on the top of a hill. That's a good place to put a, a temple or a shrine. Um, and they um, consecrated Abinadad's son, Eliezer, to guard the ark. Now, there's a little pun in Eliezer's name. It means God saves, okay, or God helps, And so there's this guy who just happens to have this name. They put him in charge of the ark. Now, the ark was there for a long... Oh, let me just say... Yes, the ark was there for a long time, and the writer doesn't tell us anything about what happened in that time. But the fact that Eliezer, called God Helps, is consecrated to guard the ark is really telling if you read Hebrew. So let me share you a little secret. There's a pun here. The word used for guard is also the word, the exact same word that's used when you're asked to keep the covenant. Okay, so the word that means keep the covenant, that keep word, is the same word as guard. So it can mean keep, watch or guard. And it's used in in those ways in the Bible. So it's used when people are commanded to keep the law or keep the commandments but it's used for the watchers on the wall who are watching for the enemy, you know, keeping an eye out for things. And it's also used when someone's been put in prison and they're being guarded, okay? So there's these ideas in this um, word. And when they said that he was consecrated to guard the ark, the translators have chosen to take the guard idea. And this is a really good idea because... That, in fact, is what he was doing. But I want you to have a look at it. What what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments. What are you asked to do with the Ten Commandments? Keep them. Okay. So they are supposed to keep the Ten Commandments, but instead what they're doing is they're guarding the Ten Commandments and they're actually guarding it as if um, to keep it in prison. Because it stays at uh, Kiriath-Jerim for 20 years. 20 years. The ark is sitting there and nobody's worshipping there. They're actually, in a sense, they put God in jail. And so the pun is there, but you can't see it in English. So the next time you read that keep guard word, you'll know... Um, that in this story, the writer means us to have that thinking about keeping the covenant because, you know, he is keeping the covenant, isn't he? But he's keeping it physically, not in the way he's living. Israel is keeping it or guarding it physically, but they're not living it. Standing on the premises, but not on the promises. That's what they were doing, okay? They were actually keeping the covenant safe. Okay, they weren't actually living it. So, Eliezer's put in charge, consecrated, to keep the ark in prison. So, basically, it can't hurt anybody. And God is put aside. What happens next? Well, the people um, are living without God for all this time. And we don't know what happened, but something happens to make them change their mourning from being... ...a mourning because they're sad they lost... ...to a mourning where they're missing God. And it says they mourned and they started to seek God. And then for the first time in this cycle of stories... ...Samuel turns up. You realise this is the book of Samuel? He's been in the first three chapters of the book quite intensely... ...and then he's there from seven onwards quite intensely... ...but for those three chapters... Samuel's not present and it's another little trick in Hebrew writing if something is not said it's as important as what is said and the fact that Samuel is missing tells us the people were not listening to Samuel he had no part in their lives so he's not mentioned even when the ark is fetched to fight the battle Samuel is not mentioned. Nothing is mentioned about Samuel having made that prophecy about what would happen to Eli's family. Samuel is not mentioned. And that's what he was like in the lives of the people, absent. So when they finally grieve, mourn and start seeking God again, Samuel turns up. And he begins to sort out their theology. He says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Astartas that are among you. Direct your heart to God and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. This little phrase tells us that they're actually still under the hand of the Philistine. Okay? Okay. They have been under Philistine rule for that whole 20 years. It also makes clear that not only was their theology as problematic as ever, that is the Israelites' theology, but they were living under the Philistine gods. So remember we said if God, the, God, the, the nation that wins the battle, their God is the victor. And the Israelites are living with that theology because we hear that they have foreign gods among them. What foreign gods were they? Well, the victorious foreign god. So Samuel says, if you're serious about seeking the Lord, then you have to get rid of these foreign gods. They can't be there. And then he calls them to assemble at Mizpah and he says he will intercede for them. This is the turning point point. and the Israelites actually assemble, they fast and they confess but the Philistines, they see all this happening and they interpret it as rebellion, they interpret it as the gathering of an army and so and I have to say in a sense it was, wasn't it? Because what they're doing is they're turning away from the victorious God back to their own God But they actually weren't intending to fight the Philistines. They were worshipping. But the Philistines think they're rebelling, so they come up and they attack them. Now, this time, the Israelites act according to their spoken theology. They believe that God is the most powerful God, and this time, they actually act on it. So instead of doing things in their own strength, they actually seek God. They do not prepare for battle. Think about it. This is a big army assembling against them, and they what do they do? They keep worshiping. So they're not preparing for battle, but they're continuing with the worship service, and while Samuel is sacrificing the burnt offering, God fights the battle, and the Philistines are defeated. And all the Israelites do is chase them home. That's what they do. This proves that their theology, their spoken theology, once acted, proves to be correct. So Samuel then sets up Ebenezer, the stone of help, as a memorial to help the Israelites remember how God helped them. So the next time they need help, they would remember to ask God. Okay? So this stone is set up there. I want to think about this in terms of our own lives. We have cycles in our own lives of faulty theology and then good theology. And then probably faulty theology and good theology and faulty... You know, it's a cycle that we go through. And the trick that we have to manage is to stay as long as possible with good theology. None of us who have chosen to follow God mean to have faulty theology. Did you get up this morning and say, well, I'm going to have faulty theology? I'm going to think one thing about God and act the other way? We don't, do we? We have a desire to live for God. But we live in a world that does not acknowledge God. The Israelites lived in constant contact with other nations and the other nations' understanding of how God deals with people some of the teaching that they heard made sense. And I won't go into the detail, but it did make sense for the agricultural society. And so without them meaning to, sometimes they took on that common sense kind of thinking about God, which wasn't the real thinking about God. We live in a world where God's ignored, and people strive after material gain or a favourite ideology, And some of it makes sense to us. I was in a third-year class. These guys are training for ministry. And one of them said something like, well, humanity is evolving into a better humanity. And I went, sorry, guys, there is no second-generation Christians. That is wrong theology. Every generation sins. Every generation has to find God for themselves. And we are not improving. You only have to listen to the news. Just that the sins that we as people and, a, you know, a race commit just change from age to age. But what is the sin? We just don't give God his proper place. And that plays out in our politics, in our economics, in our international relationships, whatever. It plays out in our lives, doesn't it? So I had to rebuke them, and they're still looking at me like I'm nuts, and I don't think I've convinced them yet, but don't worry, I've got them for two more weeks. So, we live in a world where we have stuff bombarding us, and it's really hard today because it's in our houses, isn't it? The television... Our our social media, our friends, the constant, I have to say, harping on about some topics that I just get really fed up with. But it's logical. This idea of humanism, that humanity is improving and that education can actually make a difference. Well, I am an educator and I believe that knowing right theology can make a difference, but education generally... You know, some of our worst dictators in the last century were Oxford educated, Cambridge educated. They were educated men that went back into their own countries and made a disaster. So education doesn't necessarily improve us, but we are sucked into the thinking of the humanists or the positive thinkers or the ecologists or you name it. You know the stuff. And it's logical and it's presented well. And if we're not careful, we're going to believe it without testing it. We need to be very, very careful. Who are we depending on? We need to depend on God. We live in this world that bombards us and our living can start to reflect the thinking that's being thrown at us and we move away from our trust in God. And we begin to rely on other things. How do we avoid it? Well, Samuel knew what he was doing when he set up Ebenezer. He wanted people to rely totally on God and he wanted them to remember what happened that day when they did rely totally on God. So he sets up the stone. You can just see it, can't you? Kids walking along, taking the sheep out and dad's with them and he says, see that stone? Let me tell you the story. Well, Jesus knew what he was doing when he set up the memorial of the Lord's Day. Do this in remembrance of me. So whenever we eat and drink, and in this country, that's probably at least six times a day, we are to remember Jesus. How often when you're having your morning tea, do you remember? The early church had the symbol of the fish. Do you know what that's all about? That symbol of the fish, do you know what it means? It's a mnemonic. And the word is ichthus in Greek. And I'm not even going to try and map that out for you. But if you take each Greek letter and you put these words in Greek to those letters, you get Jesus Christ, God's Son, Saviour. What a great mnemonic. When you see a fish in a car, what do you say? Christian, hypocrite, look at the way he's driving. The later church took as their memorial the cross, and we still have it, don't we? But how often, when we look at the cross, do we actually tell the story? William Booth understood the importance of memorials. What's the the biggest one that we use a lot? The flag. What does the flag mean? It's Trinitarian, holiness of God, God wants us to be holy, so he sends Jesus and he gives us the Holy Spirit. That's it. Great, great memorial. How often do you say that? And what about the uniform? What does the uniform mean? Save to serve, but it's actually more than that. It's taking off the old life and putting on the new, isn't it? You know the story from the old core under new management? Under new management, that's what we're saying. We belong to God. We've taken on a new life. And our motto, what's our motto? Blood and fire. Blood and fire. And that symbolises Good Friday, Easter and Pentecost. What more do you need? Okay. It's okay having the rock, Ebenezer, It's okay having all these symbols, but if we don't tell the stories that go with them, we lose it. It means nothing. So we tell the stories, or we should tell the stories, of how God saved us, helped us in the past. So we'll remember to trust him in the present and into the future. So when Samuel set up the stone, he said, up to here, meaning in time, up to here in my life, God has helped me. Can you say that? And what does that tell you? Past here, God can help me, doesn't it? What's that old chorus? All through the years, his providence has led me. His abounding goodness has been all my song. All through the years, I'll sing his love and mercy, singing Ebenezer as the years go by. So the Lord helps, singing Ebenezer. How often do we tell our stories? Are our memorials working? How often do you rehearse the meaning of our symbols? How often do you tell people of the different ways God has helped you? Testimony times? We need to tell our stories. And more importantly, how much is that story of grace that's represented by the cross affecting our lives? The more often we tell the story, the more influence it has on us and the less influence the stories of the world have on us. We come here on Sundays to worship, to tell the story and to realign our thinking. If we don't come on Sundays, when does that happen? How does that happen? Today I just want to ask you, is stuff impacting on you? Are you realising that there are things that the world is placing on you that actually don't line up with what God has told us? If you need to put aside some worldly thinking or give yourself fully to God again, that's why I love that song, you know? My response to this God of help is to actually give my life over to him. It's what Samuel asked the Israelites to do. Giving myself fully to God, to serve him only... And if we need to realign ourselves, prayer is a good way to do it. And prayer in public with somebody else is even better. But maybe it's not realignment you need. Maybe you're sitting here worshipping with a big battle raging in your life and you need God to fight it for you. You can pray about that too. And God will do the fighting for us. He's already working on it. Up to this point, God has helped and he will continue to do so. Remember Ebenezer. You've been listening to the Carandale Salvos podcast. If you'd like to discover more or get in touch with us, visit us at salvos.org.au forward slash Carondale. or head to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Salvos. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. You can find the podcast on our website or wherever you get your podcasts.